Not long ago, a friend of mine felt compelled to do something he'd never done before. Sell some of his kit on eBay. Now, people do that all the time. But what he was selling, well, a year ago, it would have been thought of as disposable junk because he was selling a graphical processing unit, a GPU. These are the things that draw onto computer displays. But he wasn't selling a new GPU. Goodness, no, you can't even buy a new GPU to sell. So if you could buy one, you'd be holding on to that. And this card, it wasn't even a last generation GPU because those are actually in short supply too. People can't buy a current generation GPU, so they're snapping up the last generation. No, no, no. This card has a GPU that is almost five years old. And I mean, for computer hardware, that's basically infinity years old. It is so old and so underpowered that basically no one should want this. But my friend, he is asking several hundred dollars for it, and he knows he'll get it. We're all used to a world where our computer gear becomes obsolete at a rate of knots, but that only happens when there's new kit to replace the old. And that is not happening right now because of a huge and growing global shortage of computer chips. At the end of May in 2021, that shortage, even for the most basic chips, it stretched out to at least 17 weeks. That's more than five months of delays to get any chip at any price from any chip maker. And that has now grown so long that it's inspiring a bit of a panic among companies that use chips. Yes, they're stockpiling. Think about this, just as we saw during the height of the pandemic when people bought a decade's worth of toilet paper. That's what's happening with computer chips right now, and it's making the shortage even worse. Around the world, automakers have been pausing production of their most luxurious models because those are the ones that have the most chips in them. Product launches for some of Apple's computers are being pushed back into next year because they know they can't get the parts that they need to manufacture the millions of units that they expect to sell. It's bad. And at least for a little while, it's going to get worse. So what comes next? G'day, Mark Pesci here. The coming next billion seconds are the most important in history because everything is getting smarter and smarter and smarter. Everything is getting connected, getting intelligent, getting capable. The root of these capabilities come from integrated circuits, chips. They've become indispensable to nearly everything we make. And almost overnight, they've become one of the most important elements in the global economy. So this isn't a story about chips. This is a story about how chips came to run the world, a story we call geopolitics. Every cloud has a silver lining. And in this case, now that the entire world has realized how dependent we've all become on semiconductor integrated circuits, in this case, it has focused minds and opened wallets all around the world. Everyone everywhere is now throwing money at the problem. In the four weeks that it took to write and record this series, we saw a range of firms and national governments commit around half a trillion Australian dollars in new investment to build new semiconductor plants and fix the shortage. Half a trillion dollars. That's as much revenue as the entire sector earns in a single year. And all of that has been pushed onto the table to build out the kind of capacity that the world needs. 
It is an extraordinary commitment of resources. It's unlike anything that's ever been seen outside of wartime. And every bit of those resources is going to be needed because building semiconductor foundries is expensive. In the previous episode of Geopolitics, we looked at how chipmakers had to work harder and harder and harder to realize the gains from smaller and smaller transistors. 50 years ago, it was a relatively simple affair to make a smaller transistor. Now, it might take some time to get that right, but a chipmaker like Intel, they knew what to do, and they did it, and it all worked over and over and over again until that no longer worked like it used to. Intel, the leading chipmaker in the world, they hit two walls a decade apart. The first wall was a speed bump, literally, because the faster a chip processes data, the more heat it generates. And eventually, the chips were going so fast that they put out so much heat that they started to burn up. So for the last 15 years, chips really haven't gotten a lot faster. But hey, we've always been able to make them smaller. Ah, but, and this happened around the same time we hit that speed bump, it became clear that when transistors got really, really small, they actually got harder and harder to make. The smallest transistors in the world today, they're made out of elements that are five nanometers. That's five billionths of a meter in width. Now, to give you a sense of how tiny that is, a single atom of silicon is about one nanometer wide. So these elements, they're only five atoms across. And the machines used to make elements that are only five atoms across, they are among the most sophisticated bits of tech that there are. Full stop. Nothing is really much more sophisticated than these machines. So one of these machines just by itself costs a billion dollars. And even at that price, they can't make enough of them. There's not just a shortage of semiconductors. There's a shortage of the machines that make semiconductors. But just having one of these machines, it doesn't mean that you can make these atomic-scale transistors. You have to own the machine, and then you have to know how to use it in just the right way to get it to reliably spit out these atomic-scale transistors. And that, it turns out, that is actually the hard bit. Intel tried to make transistors with elements twice as big, 10 nanometers, and Intel failed. They tried again after years of delay, and they got there. But in that delay, their biggest competitor, the Taiwan Semiconductor Manufacturing Corporation, or TSMC, they caught up. And neck and neck, Intel focused on its next innovation, elements that were just 7 nanometers in size. And again, Intel failed. But TSMC, they made it happen right on schedule. And when that happened, this was back in the depths of the pandemic in 2020. That was when the entire center of gravity for the global semiconductor industry shifted. From Intel, which had always been in a lead, which had invented this race in the first place, from Intel to TSMC. Suddenly, the best chip maker in the world was an also-ran. And here's the problem. Unless TSMC stumbles, as Intel did, they will keep that lead because they're a full step ahead of Intel. In 2022, as Intel finally gets its 7 nanometer elements sorted out, 
and begins to focus on the next ones, which are 5 nanometer, well, at that point, TSMC will already be producing chips with elements as tiny as 3 nanometers, 3 atoms wide. In this semiconductor race, there's, there's no way to catch up because you have to wait for someone else to stumble. So Intel's best days as a chipmaker, it might be that they're behind them. Unless, and there are two possibilities here, one of them relies on Intel pulling a rabbit out of its hat. Now, in early May of 2021, Intel announced a deal with IBM. Now, IBM used to be one of the best chip makers in the world. These days, because that business is so expensive to be in, IBM lets others make their chips for them. They're looking to have Intel make chips. And IBM, fortunately, it happens to have some of the best semiconductor research labs in the world, the Thomas J. Watson Research Labs in Upper New York State. And they announced that they'd perfected a technique to make transistors with elements as small as two nanometers, that is, two atoms wide. And IBM said, we're going to share that technology with Intel. So maybe, just maybe, Intel will be able to pull it all together to leapfrog past TSMC and get to these two nanometer wide transistors first. But that's a big if. Because you tend to learn things at every step along the way as you make things smaller. There are essential lessons that help you as you make things even smaller. And skipping a step, that might not work. And no matter what, it's going to be really expensive. It costs 10 or $12 billion to build a semiconductor foundry to make chips with 5 nanometer elements. And TSMC just announced that they will be ponying up double that, $24 billion, to build a plant in Arizona that will make chips with 3 nanometer elements. And so when you make transistors at half the size, it costs twice as much to build the plant. That means a plant to fabricate transistors with two nanometer elements is liable to cost somewhere around $50 billion for a single plant. So not only is this strategy to leapfrog past TSMC one that might not work, it's also a ruinously expensive strategy. $50 billion is pretty close to the annual revenue of Intel. If you sink that amount of money into the wrong thing, You've just put the entire business into jeopardy, which means even though this looks to be the only way that Intel can get ahead and snatch the crown back from TSMC, it might not happen. Business sense might rule against it. In a moment, we'll take a look at the second way that Intel might regain its lead. From the first months of Trump's presidential administration, officials made it clear that they were prepared to use the full industrial and economic might of the United States to keep America on top of the global economy. They called it America first, and it looked a lot like a trade war aimed right at America's biggest competitor, China. Now, Although the two nations are still each other's biggest trading partners, as would make sense for the number one and number two global economy, there have been some steps to reshape the nature of that trade. And specifically, 
America has been taking a very hard line about letting China export the tools and techniques that it would need to compete with America. Develop that yourself, America is saying. We won't be selling you the rope that you'd use to hang us out to dry. And the one area where that's been most visible is in semiconductors. The United States took two very public decisions over the last two years that illustrate the shape of this new economic battle line. The first is that they started adding a number of Chinese companies to the entity list. That's a list of businesses and individuals who are blacklisted from doing any business with America. Huawei, that's the giant Chinese telecommunications and smartphone manufacturer. They ended up on the entity list, and that meant no more chips from TSMC for Huawei, no more of Google's Android operating system for their smartphones, all of that American technology and technology that's connected to America, all gone. Because being on the entity list meant that TSMC wasn't able to make chips for Huawei. Even though TSMC is a Taiwanese company, they comply with the entity list. Because if they don't, they could lose their ability to sell the chips they make for American companies like Apple. And TSMC's biggest customer is Apple. Now, China has the capacity to make semiconductors. There's the Semiconductor Manufacturing International Corporation, or SMIC. They make lots of chips, but they're not current generation chips, far from it. The best chips that can be manufactured in China today, they're about four generations behind the best chips that can be manufactured by TSMC. And that's, that's a half a decade or more. And remember, it's not really possible to leapfrog across generations. You have to learn as you go. Even trying to leapfrog a single generation may not be possible, even though it does look like Intel is going to give it a go. So China is now stuck using chips that are larger, consume more power, and are just generally not as good as the chips that American companies can use and that the American military can use. And that's the pointy end of all of this. Because so much of what the military does these days draws upon capacities in artificial intelligence that suck up huge amounts of computer power. And that computer power has to come from the latest and greatest generation of chips, which means all of America's military hardware, it's five years ahead of what the Chinese can build. And that is not going to change as long as TSMC can't sell their chips into China. President Biden hasn't changed that restriction. It's unlikely that he would. The advantage conferred to the American military and American businesses is simply too great to surrender. But here's the pointy bit that is absolutely obvious to everyone, even if no one acknowledges it. All of the best semiconductor foundries in the world, they're all located in Taiwan. 100 miles off the coast of the People's Republic of China. Now, the People's Republic regards Taiwan as a renegade province, and the truth is considerably more nuanced. Taiwan was and remains the Republic of China. Taiwan has never been a part of the People's Republic of China, and the United States remains publicly committed to Taiwan's independence from mainland China. But the Chinese, looking across the Taiwan Strait, they seem more than a renegade province. They see the industrial and technical resources they need to build the military equipment they need to meet the United States as a peer. And that's the whole of this thing. Everything else is politics and propaganda. 
But this, this is the essence of power. Whoever controls Taiwan controls this resource, controls the best semiconductor foundries in the world. And everyone is wondering how long that will go on, because China needs to catch up with the United States. That's not merely a matter of national pride. It's a military priority. Now, China has been busy hiring away as many semiconductor engineers as they can from Taiwan, trying to build their own capacity to make advanced chips. But Taiwan banned that practice early in 2021 in order to save their own talent so they could continue to build their industrial prowess. So China can't even poach the talent. They're being boxed in. And it's very possible that within the next few years, this gets to a crisis point where the value of those semiconductor foundries and all of the talent that makes them work so well becomes worth a war for Taiwan, a chip war. And if that happens, all bets are off. But the one thing we can know for sure is that no matter what either side says, the real prize of that conflict will be control of TSMC. So this chip shortage that we're all feeling these days, it's a sign of things to come, a sign of how pressured China will begin to feel as the U.S. pulls ahead in technology and remains ahead, all because the Chinese do not control Taiwan. And if there's a war, Intel could well end up on talk because TSMC will stumble. China might get what they want and then find, once they've got it, that it lost its value in the acquisition. We hope you've enjoyed our journey from the invention of the transistor all the way through the next atomic scale leaps in technology. Transistors run our world and now they're driving our foreign affairs. Something so small has become incredibly mighty. The Next Billion Seconds was written and presented by Mark Pesci, producer Alex Mitchell, and sound production Darcy Thompson. If you like this show, hit the subscribe button. And if you know someone who might like it too, please share it with them. For more about the topics in our show, and we have lots of links detailing the half a trillion dollars in new investment in semiconductor foundries, please visit our website at nextbillionseconds.com. This is Mark Pesci, thanking you for listening.